You're listening to episode number 30 of the Nightingale podcast. In this week's episode, we are joined by a special guest, Travis Hornsby, a chartered financial analyst. We are diving into the topic of student loans. Pretty much everyone in healthcare at some point probably has to take them out. And if you don't, you are so, so fortunate. And it's just something that is not very popular topic, but something that we're all going to have to face at one point or another. So if you're not listening for yourself, you better be tuning in for a friend because student loans are something that are a burden to so many people. To give us a little bit of a better idea about the actual numbers, I thought it'd be fun to do a little bit of a poll on the Nightingale podcast Instagram page. And here are the results. So the first question I asked was, how many of you have student loan debt? And about 80% of those who voted said that they do have student loan debt. The next question that I followed up with was, are you stumped when it comes to the best way to tackle your loans? And about 75% of you said, yes, (laughs) you sure are stumped on how to tackle these loans because it's intimidating, right? We didn't go to school for nursing because we have a business or a financial mindset or that's a huge passion of ours. I mean, for some people, I'm sure you really love doing that. And that's probably the other 25% who actually have a good idea of how to tackle these. So I am so excited for this episode, not only to just dive into what are our options, but give us an idea of some free resources and some additional options for us to start to get a better picture on what are the best ways for us to start to either pay off or get our student loans forgiven. Hey friends, welcome to the Nightingale podcast, a podcast for nurses, future nurses, and well, anyone interested in the nursing profession. I'm your host, Dakota Falkowski, RN, BSN, and DNP student. Join us each week as I interview nurses from all areas of the nursing profession to uncover nursing opportunities that you may have not known even existed. You can expect to be inspired and maybe even a little bit motivated. The goal of the Nightingale podcast is to encourage you to think outside of the box, step outside of that comfort zone of yours, and reach for a fulfilling and unique nursing journey. So let's dive in and check out this week's guest. You never know, they may just have your dream job. Hi, Travis. Welcome to the Nightingale Podcast. Great to be here, Dakota. I am so looking forward to our conversation because you are going to chat a lot about something that is so important to so many of my listeners, which is student loans. They come with nursing, they come with the healthcare profession. So this is going to be a great topic for today's podcast. I would love to kind of get started though, by you just telling a little bit about yourself, how you got into this space and just what you offer um, as part of your business. Yeah, sure. So my wife went to medical school and that usually comes with a lot of debt, right? Yeah. And uh, I should say, too, that my mom is a nurse, my cousin is a nurse. We have a lot of nurses in the family, too. So the medical field is, is well represented in my family. But my mom was a nurse that entered the workforce in the you know, 1980s. And you know she's been doing it for 30-something years. She just retired. And when she went to nursing school, she could go for like, like a thousand bucks, <laughs> right? Like it was so cheap. You know, the, the hospital was like, oh, like, we'll give you like 100% of your tuition reimbursed because it's literally like such a small percentage of your salary. Like, why not? You know, and so it was just a totally different world where becoming a nurse was just so much cheaper than back then than it is now. And um, and then, you know, medical school, medical school was way cheaper than it is now. And so then, I, yeah, I was really lucky because I went to college and came out without debt because I've tried to get a bunch of scholarships. And I didn't end up going to get a graduate degree, but my wife obviously had a lot of debt. And so I thought, well, there's got to be a way to pay this back. You know, we'll just probably pay it back directly and try to get it as fast as we can, right? That's kind of how most people 
pay back their debt is they listen to one of these, you know, radio shows that's like, get rid of your debt, you know, as fast as you can. <laughs> and, uh, and it's motivating. So that's what we thought we were going to do. But, uh, but then we started running numbers. Or I did because I was a bond trader. And, uh, and then I realized, wow, this is a lot more complicated than I thought. Because, you know, credit card debt doesn't just get forgiven, right? right? Like mortgage debt doesn't just get, you know, erased, like with some special federal program. But student debt can. And, you know, your mortgage, like, yeah, you might refinance a mortgage, but there's all these costs associated with it. And so you might kind of think that it's not applicable to you. And interest rates are already pretty low, so it's hard to get a better deal. But with student loans, like the government gives you higher interest rates, and then you can refinance and get a lower interest rate. So the situation is just really complicated, and and that's I basically helped ten of her friends, Chris, Christine's friends, and those ten friends turned into a thousand friends, and now about two thousand two hundred friends. So that's the number of folks that we've advised so far, about uh, a little over half a billion dollars in student loan debt. Wow. And so what is the name of your business? It's called Student Loan Planner. And we have a website, studentloanplanner.com, that actually has a whole bunch of resources for nurses, nurse practitioners, CRNAs, um, basically anybody listening to your podcast, we've written something specifically for them. And it's got a lot of free resources and calculators and tools that you can use to figure out your own repayment strategy. Or if you just prefer to hit the easy button and make sure you're not missing anything, we also help people with, uh, you know, paid plans that are a few hundred dollars, uh, depending on the amount of debt that you have. I love it. And you know what? I just, before we started recording, I just downloaded, you have a podcast too. Tell us a little bit about that. I do. And that's terrible. I, I don't talk about that enough because I think it's really a great, a great way to get free advice. It's yeah. the One Planner podcast. And whether or not you're interested in learning more about PSLF, like public service loan forgiveness, or how do you invest when you have a lot of student loan debt, or maybe you just want to know that there's other people out there like you that have a lot of debt, and it's not just you, and you're not crazy, you know, and there's a whole bunch of other people with the same problem. We just focus on people's lives that are going through that. They're trying to start families, buy a house, you know, establish themselves in their career, go on, you know, nice vacations and, and have a solid financial future, regardless of what they owe and from their educational debt. So Student Loan Planner podcast, definitely check that out if you, uh, if you love listening to podcasts and have a lot of student loans. Perfect. I think this is such an amazing opportunity too, because we typically in the medical profession, we think so much differently, obviously. So it is so nice to have you have this background of just personally having your wife be a physician and just having gone through all of this on the medical side and really just relating to people who go in and just you have to have all this student loan debt to get through it typically and then you really don't have that financial background to be like what's next like what do I do yeah and and that's the thing is nurses are some of the best human beings on the planet right because my, my mom is a nurse and I know I know what nurses are like because she would you know have me come up a lot growing up to like the break rooms and you know on the holidays like they would throw you know little holiday parties and have families bring in food, you know, for all the folks working, you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving, right? So uh, I know that finances are sometimes an afterthought, uh, you mm -hmm. know, compared to, you know, the patient care that you're focused on. But it's so important that nurses learn this stuff, at least know it well enough so that they can have secure financial futures uh, and not, you know, kind of fall prey to some of the high commission, high fee, you know, financial advisors out there. Yes. And I know personally, so we were chatting before we got started that my husband and I both just graduated. And actually last night, we just completed our exit uh, stuff for our student loans. And so it's something that I just had this realization last night that you're going through school, you're just piling on the debt, and you don't think about it while you're in school. You know, you don't really see that big number until the very end. And it's super overwhelming. And so I just think that this is something for people who are starting to pay back their student loans, this will be applicable. And for those of those who are listening who are in school and starting to rack up that student loan debt, just what, what can I do right now or what can I expect after graduation? 
Yeah, I think that there's a couple different options that you could use to pay back your loans. You know, some employers might have some sort of reimbursement programs. There's also great programs through the military. If you don't mind serving the country, you know, you'll you'll get a lot of your debt paid for if you decide to go through one of the, the armed service branches. I would definitely talk to, you know, recruiters ahead of time before going into uh, school, especially for an advanced degree, if, if you are interested in getting that paid for. Uh, that's certainly an option to consider. Um, I'll say that if you're in school, generally speaking, I recommend that people take out only federal student loans, which are Stafford loans, because of the fact that Stafford loans are eligible for all the different forgiveness programs. And there's some nursing programs out there that will ask you to take out grad plus loans. A lot of these programs tend to be accelerated programs into nursing, you know, or master's programs or you know, nurse practitioner or CNRA type programs. So this grad plus debt is also federal debt. And even though it looks like it's really high and very costly because of the interest rate, I actually suggest that most people just worry about taking out mostly all federal debt and don't stress too much about the high interest rate because that interest rate's scary, but there's all kinds of forgiveness programs that you can use to pay less than what the stated interest rate is. So for the person who's in school now, I would say don't stress, focus on graduating, focus on getting your degree and you know, take out what you need, but don't take out way more. Yes. And it's so tempting to do that. <laughs> so let's chat about what what is like the major federal student loan forgiveness program. Yeah, so the, the number one forgiveness program that almost every nurse should actually be eligible for is something called public service loan forgiveness. This program you pay for 10 years based on your income. And at the end of those 10 years, you have your loans forgiven tax-free so long as while you were making those payments, you worked at a qualifying not-for-profit or government employer. So the nurses that I know, the only ones that don't qualify would be people who work part-time, in other words, less than 30 hours a week, or nurses that work for a for-profit hospital system or a for-profit you know, nursing, uh, nursing home, for example. So if you do work in the private sector, where your paycheck is coming from a for-profit group or you're, or you're not full-time employee, either one, then this public service loan forgiveness program would not apply to you. But the majority of nurses tend to work in settings like a huge not-for-profit hospital, right? Or the VA or, you know, something like that. So the 10 years don't have to be consecutive either. They can be cumulative. So say you decide to take a year away to, you know, focus on your family or something, or you want to travel for a bit or whatever it is, you can pick right back up where you left off on your 10-year countdown. So it's a super flexible program. It's a wonderful program and probably way too few nurses know about it. This, this program is really designed for nurses who owe, I would say, more than about $40,000 because the program has no cap. You can have as much forgiven as you have in debt, the federal so this is really something that every nurse should know about coming out of school. Okay. And then so with this one, how how do people apply for this? Is this something that they're doing directly through their federal loans? Or is this something that is done on the side? How do you kind of get, get going with this? Yeah, there's something called the PSLF ECF, uh, like, uh, like Elephant Charlie Factory. <laughs> and, um, and, and, ECF, what this is, is if you Google that, you'll find this application and you can literally send that in and they will tell you within a few months whether or not you qualify and how much payment credit that you have. So I would highly suggest that anybody who's interested in this program sends in the PSLS ECF now and it'll take a few months to hear back, but you're going to get that form back and they'll tell you whether or not you're on track to qualify, which is which is great because it's a free application and all you have to do is just send it in, right? Like, so literally after listening to this podcast, five to 10 minutes worth of effort could help you get tens of thousands of dollars in loan forgiveness at some point. So we thought it'd be kind of beneficial for the listeners to hear a little bit about kind of what it looks like the average kind of breakdown of when you're getting out of school and you're looking at loan debt and just kind of examining it and seeing what, what are my next steps? So we thought it'd be beneficial to just chat about my husband and I's debt. <laughs> How fun, huh? <laughs> so, and, and tell us a little bit more about the situation. So who has debt? Who doesn't? What are y'all's occupations? 
Yeah, so I just have graduated with my doctorate in nursing practice. So I did four years of undergrad, which I'm fortunate enough to not have any debt from. Um, And then I did a three-year program that um, for my doctorate of nursing practice for pediatric nurse practitioner. And then my husband, he did about five years of undergrad and does have some student loan debt from that. And then he did a four-year pharmacy PharmD degree. And then we've been married for like three years. And so you said you had no student loan debt? I do not have any from undergrad. I do have, um, I use student loans for my full DNP degree. So I'm going to guess that's in the 100 to 150,000 range. So I'm about 80,000 for mine. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. That's <laughs> I good. thought so that's that wonderful. was huge at first, but then we looked at my husband's. <laughs> and I'm guessing his is more in the 200K range. It is. Two, yes. Yeah, 150, 200, something like that, right? He's about 250. Yep, that's typical. So pharmacy school, right? Four years. A lot of them are private universities that have opened up in the past 10 years. That's not at all uncommon. So, so your situation is is typical for a nurse, nurse practitioner, CRNA. It's basically, it's interesting. Like, it seems like a lot of nursing professionals kind of tend to marry other people with debt, too. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or other professionals, because you're highly educated, and highly educated people tend to marry other highly educated people. So sometimes that results in two people having debt. And when you know, when you get married, the good news is that you get to plan together, right? The bad news is you have to plan together. Right. So if, you know, if you were just having that only 80K in debt, are, are you working at a not-for-profit or a, um, or a for-profit entity? I am working not-for-profit. Not-for-profit. So like, you know, nurse practitioners, you know, it's not all at all uncommon to make over a hundred thousand a year, right? Like hundred, hundred and fifty maybe, or hundred twenty, something like that. Right. Is that is that kind of the income range that you're in? Yep. Yeah. So, um, and then for pharmacists, actually, I would guess that your husband's making less money than you. So yeah, so he actually is doing a residency program for pharmacy. So this first year, he will be making like a fraction of a normal pharmacist wage. Yeah, and even when he gets out, if he goes into, is his plan to go into hospital pharmacy, or what? what is his plan? It is, yep. Yep, so a lot of those hospitals are not-for-profit, too. So it sounds like both of your situations, you're, you know, potentially eligible for public service loan forgiveness. The kind of catch is if it was just you, if it's just the 80K, then you would be required to make payments. <clears throat> that would be about 10% of your income. And they're subject to a cap if you make too much money. So what would happen in your case is since you probably have a debt to income ratio below one, so meaning just you have a lot less debt than your income, you would end up just paying off your debt in full and you wouldn't even get a benefit for public service loan forgiveness, right? Right. So that obviously kind of stinks because it's like, shoot, maybe I should have gone out and partied with the girls or (laughs) the friends more, right? Like in school, right? Like they should have gone, should have had more nights out on the town. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's actually not the case because of the way this program works. So you have 80K, I'm assuming it's all federal debt. Yes. So a lot of people would be really tempted to refinance their loans in your situation, but that would be <clears throat> the wrong thing to do because when you both have debt like this, what they do for married couples is they kind of look at the debt combined. So they look at the debt, 250K plus 80K, you know, it's about 330 in total. And then what they do is then they, they then take your income. So let's say your income is 140, you know, for a pharmacist residence, that's 140K of income. And what they're gonna do is they're gonna look at the total debt, 330 in your case, and the total income, about 140, and they're gonna calculate a payment overall right? If you're filing jointly for taxes. Okay. So your payment combined should be something in the thousand dollar a month range because they give you a little bit of a deduction too. So your combined payment would be about a thousand something dollars a month. The next thing that they do is they split that payment proportionately based off of the size of your debt. So about 700 
fifty or so would go towards your husband's debt and about two hundred, two fifty of that payment would go towards your debt. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. Sometimes the loan servicers mess it up and you have to challenge it. But that's the way that the rules are written. What that means is if you were single, you'd be having to make payments of maybe like eight hundred dollars a month and then you'd just pay your debt off in full, so you would just refinance. Okay. Right? But because of the fact that you, you know, married such a wonderful man, <laughs> you know, you get to pay like a couple hundred a month, probably, or, or 300 a month or something like that, instead of 800 because of the proportional split on your payment. So is this something that when we, when we're getting started that they'll, like, do they automatically know that you're married and this is how it's going to be set up? Or is this something that you have to, you're, we're not consolidating our loans in any way? Well, you're going to want to consolidate if you both graduated. It just depends. How long have you been making? Have you been not? Have you just graduated? We just graduated just oh, last weekend. So, yep. <laughs> so, so, go, so going to studentloans.gov and logging into that website and consolidating both of your loans is the right thing to do in your case. Together. So, to, well, together in the sense that you're both doing it, but you're not doing it like you're not lumping Collected. them in together. Gotcha. So yeah, so that's that's something that hasn't been around for a long time. Basically, they used to let couples do that, but they didn't pass a law to undo it in the case of people divorcing. Right. And so I, I've got these cases where people call up and they're still having to make joint payments on these loans with their ex-spouses ten years after it divorce. Oh <laughs> it's my gosh! Really, it's really terrible. It's like just a classic case of like, wow, like Congress like really screwed up with this yeah. law. Like, <laughs> but luckily they don't do that anymore. Um, the only thing that you, you can't even do it if you try, so that's good. So you can't hurt yourself. So all you all you all you would do is go to the studentloans.gov site and both consolidate, and you'll both have to sign for each other. That's not like saying that you're legally responsible for the debt. That's just basically you telling them that you're saying you're telling the truth about your tax returns. Okay. So, so you know, in other words, you're you're going to have to submit your tax returns to prove your income, and you just have to certify like. I'm, I'm telling it the truth is basically what, why you have to sign for both spouses. Um, so you consolidate. Now, when you do that, you can base the payments off of last year's taxable income. So last year's taxable income for both of you was what? Low. Neither one of us were really working. Exactly. <laughs> so that can get you payments under something like the pay-as-you-earn plan of $0 a month. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. So for public service loan forgiveness specifically, my first payment choice is pay as you earn okay, because it has caps. And then the second choice is revised pay as you earn. I would love to just chat about that for a second because that was something that was really someone that had no idea really about obviously paying back my loans and stuff until I'm obviously now at the point where I have to start diving into this. But for the public service loan forgiveness, can you just chat about what the requirement is for paying back your loans as terms of the income-based? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be on the pay-as-you-earn or revised pay-as-you-earn plan. That's the one, the only two you want to use. Okay. And then the difference with that is they're just adjusting for your income? Yep. It's 10% of your, it's called adjusted gross income. It's on your 1040, you know? And they give you a deduction as well. It's the deduction is 150% of the poverty line. So let's say that you, the poverty line for, for a single person is about $12,000. You know, 150% of the poverty line is about 18,000. So in other words, you can make $18,000 in taxable income and have a payment of $0 a month. And it would still be under the, one of those two plans. Uh, once you start making more than that, 18,000 for a family of one, then they start taking 10% of it. I think this is so good to hear for people too, because I know that when, especially when you're married and you have someone else that has student loans in your relationship, you're, you're probably looking at your loan separately. I know my husband and I were like coming up with our own game plans, but really, I mean, this is so nice to know that it'll benefit us. I'm, I'm getting this from you that don't be afraid to get married. Like this is a benefit. Or if you're, if you're someone who's like, I don't want to burden someone else with my student loan debts on top of it, it might just end up helping you in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Like I can always 
figure out how to optimize somebody's loan situation. Now, it might not be as cheap as being single. Like it might not be what you want. Like it might not be the optimal thing, but you can always do stuff to save money given like you wanting something in your life, like being married, <laughs> like a normal thing, right? Um, so, so like what would happen is if you have this kind of set up for your income, then what happened in the first year is that you would have those $0 a month payments, right? Right. And that's going to count towards public service loan forgiveness because when you need 10 years worth of credit, so you've already got one year of credit and it's literally $0, um, you know, $0 a month. So that's wonderful. Um, once the, you know, kind of residency period is over for your husband, then y'all would have to pay on two incomes that would probably be in the low six figures. So if I had to guess what your payment would be, it'd be around $1,500 a month combined. Now, if you had to pay it off, if you had to refinance the debt, you'd have to pay about $3,400 a month combined. Wow. It's a big difference. It's huge. Now, for the example that, that I'm kind of thinking about, over 10 years, I just did a little estimate. I just put this into my calculator. This is actually available for free on the on the website. Uh, but I, I punched in the just an estimate of your numbers. So over 10 years on your 330000 of debt, you would pay about $180,000 on your loans over 10 years and about 377000 that would be forgiven after 10 years. Wow. That is like unbelievable. Friends, starting a new position is scary. It's frightening. It's overwhelming. It's exciting. It's all of the things. I know I've started many new positions in my time as an RN. But really, it doesn't have to be as difficult as we try to make it. Through these experiences, I have gathered five tips to starting a new position and making that transition as smooth as possible. I have created a free guide for you as my listeners to make this transition as seamless as possible and allow you to really excel in your new position. So if you recently started a new position, you are going to start a new job, or you know someone who's going to start a new position. I mean, come on, you have to fall into one of those three categories. Then head on over to the nightingalepodcast.com to sign up to receive your 100% free copy of the five tips PDF. I'm here to support you through all your new ventures in your careers. And I believe these five tips are going to do just that. So head on over to the nightingalepodcast.com after this episode and download your free guide. I mean, come on, what do you have to lose? Now you might say like, what, wait, wait a second. Why did I pay 100, 180 and the debt that was forgiven was more? Yeah. Right. So the reason for that is because your payments are not even covering the interest in the first several years. Mm -hmm. So the loan balance grows and then your payments that are, are so low that they still don't really fully cover the interest. So the debt continues to grow. Okay. So that's why. So one of my big concerns with my husband and I have been chatting about the program and one of my big concerns, mm -hmm. and I think this is a concern for a lot of people is we've heard just the, being you have to be on top of things with it and just my concern is this program ever going to go away like are we going to get to this 10 years and there we have accrued all this interest and then they're like oh this the funds aren't here we're not we're not offering this anymore is that something that we should be worrying about yeah so there's a been a little bit of a misleading headline running around that says 99 percent of people aren't getting it you know and and there's stuff out there in the media like that the reason for that is this program was really not well designed in the first three to four years of its existence from 2007 to 2010. So 10 years after those three years is basically now. And so you're seeing a massive number of people get rejected because the kind of loans that you have to have is federal direct loans. And a lot of people had non-qualifying loans from before 2010. So that's why they're getting rejected is because nobody had the right kind of loan until really 2010. So first off, don't let the media scare you. That's my <laughs> first tip is that a lot of this stuff is like people that don't understand the program writing about it. 
And the other thing I would say is if the program does go away, it's probably a 5% chance. It's very, very low because there's a hundred, there's a hundred billion dollars that's been approved for the public service loan forgiveness program already. A hundred billion for a million borrowers. So that's the number of people that are already certified for it. A program that with that many people depending on it is not going anywhere from a political standpoint. <laughs> yeah, I think there would be you know? some issues. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the you know, you don't want you don't want your as a congressperson, right? You don't want your nurse and doctor that's treating you to find out you were the one that was the deciding vote to you know repeal public service loan forgiveness, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe they just let you die. I'm just kidding, but <laughs> um, but uh, but in all seriousness, like it's a very low probability it goes away. But here's the thing, if it does, it's actually not nearly as big of a risk as people think, because there's other forgiveness programs that you can use, for one. And second, two, the, the worst case scenario is that your debt grows at a simple rate of interest. It doesn't compound. A lot of people don't get that. Student loan debt does not compound if you're on an income-driven plan. It grows just linearly. So... Worst case scenario, you pay an extra 2% per year in interest while you're waiting around for the 10 years to see if this thing happens. So yeah, 2% on, you know, $300,000 is $6,000 a year in interest, right? Mm -hmm. So that's $60,000 that you're risking over 10 years by going for this program. But the problem is, is it would be pretty dumb to worry about risking 60,000 when you could risk 370,000 if you end up being wrong that PSLF does end up being a thing. <laughs> right. Right? So there's a way to protect against that. So one example would be to save for retirement. So I pretended for a moment that you would both have access to a, a, a 401k or a 403b plan. Right? Yep. So this is something like, you know, that everybody has at hospitals and what, not a lot of people understand how to use it. Most people sign up for the match and that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what people don't know is you can contribute more than the match. So instead of doing, you know, 4%, you could do 20% of your income, or you could do up to $19,000 per year. And that 19,000 contribution actually lowers your student loan payments because remember I said that they take a percentage of your taxable income. Yeah. So for example, if you maximize your retirement plans, both you and your husband over the PSLF period in question, I, I said that you would pay $180,000 over 10 years, right? Right. So over 10 years, instead, if you maxed out your retirement plans, you would pay 140000 instead. Wow. So you saved $40,000 in loan payments. If you maximized your retirement plans, let's just, to keep the math easy, it would be a little different because you wouldn't max it probably while he's in residency. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, you just pretend that you're making enough to max it for all 10 years, that's 19,000 per year times two, which is 38,000. And then multiply that by 10, that's 380,000. That's huge. Yeah, so you would have $380,000 grow over those 10 years and likely it would be substantially more than that. So just by maxing out your retirement plans, that would give you a net worth that would be much greater than your loan balance. That's so beneficial to hear too, because I, that is, I think one of the biggest debates that goes on in your head when you're looking at this stuff is, do I pay it off as fast as possible or do I save that money and put it in a retirement or some sort of savings plan? So I love that you're touching on this because I think this is what is the big debate in everyone's head. Yeah. So the reality here is you can pay, like I said, $3,400, right, to pay your loans off over 10 years. That's mm-hmm. one option that you have. Or, you know, that retirement contribution, it's about $3,000 a month, which seems so high. Mm-hmm. But what state do you live in, Dakota? Illinois. Illinois. So Illinois just raised its income taxes, or they're about to, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, you know, 5 6%, I think, is their, um, is their tax rate. So like, say you live in a state where you get a tax deduction for your retirement contribution. Um, I think only Pennsylvania is the only one that doesn't give you that credit, but I'm not sure, but I think almost every state gives you that credit. So you are in, if you're married, both making like nurse practitioner and pharmacist income, then you're going to be in in the 24% federal tax bracket. So 
On top of that, you'll say you'll add five to six percent for Illinois. So now you're at 30, mm -hmm. right? If you're paying 10% of your income, you're also losing 10% to your loan. So that's kind of like a tax too. Mm -hmm. So that's a total tax rate of 40%, right? What's cool is when you put money into retirement accounts, you actually dodge that tax. So that tax, I mean, obviously you have to pay it when you retire, which will be in a much lower income tax bracket then. So the interesting thing is if you take that 40% tax savings, and you multiply that by that retirement account that you'd be contributing to, that's about, that's less than $1,000 a month in take-home pay to max the retirement account because of the way that that tax deduction works. So in other words, for the about the same amount of money, $3,400 a month, you have two choices. You could either just pay your loan and have a $0 debt with a $0 net worth mm -hmm. at the end of the 10 years, or you could pay your loans on pay as you earn and maximize both of your retirement accounts and have very likely a positive net worth at retirement, even if student loan forgiveness does not happen. If it does happen, Right, because I said 380000 right, plus investment gains compared to $377,000 on your loan balance in 10 years, mm -hmm. right? So you'd have the positive net worth from the, you know, growth and retirement, like, period. <clears throat> and then if PS love happens as expected, then your net worth would be, like, maybe four or $500,000 when PS love happens. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> so would you rather have a shot at, $500,000 of net worth, or would you rather have a guaranteed $0 net worth? Oh, I'll go for the net worth. <laughs> right. And this is how people make the mistake, right? Yeah. Is they get too focused on the interest rate. They don't understand the forgiveness rules. And these are extremely complex. You know, I mean, the, you, you know, the, the basics are pretty straightforward, but you can really get into the weeds and save a lot of money when you know all the, all the loopholes. So that's uh, so that's a $500,000 net worth swing. And to be honest, when I started studying this stuff for the first time and I saw the potential to have that big of an impact on someone's life, I was so much more interested in that than I was in trading bonds because trading bonds is super competitive. You work your butt off to try to get any out, you know, outperformance. And, uh, and I was like, well, shoot, you know, you can take like, you know, like a couple like yourselves and, you know, nurse, nurse practitioner and a pharmacist and add half a million dollars to their net worth with the right like strategy for like their educational debt, like sign me up. Like I thought that was just the most interesting thing in the world. It's amazing. And it's, it's so, like you said, I mean, we're just a profession that's obviously giving back to other people. And I know I had this just awful feeling in my stomach last night, seeing our debt combined. And, and it's just kind of like, we went from being so excited with this graduation and just celebrating and you're excited for this future career. And then just to see that it was just like a total switch for me. So this is so good to hear that it's, it's worth it. It, it is going to pay off. It's not something that people should be swaying away from going back to school. Cause I know that is another thing too, that there are people who have large student loan debts from undergraduate and they, have this desire to go back to receive a graduate degree, but they're reluctant to do so because of that previous debt. Yeah. And can we talk about a little bit about other programs besides public service loan forgiveness? I would love that. Yeah. So there, besides the military programs, which there's a whole bunch of them. And, you know, just, I would just contact a recruiter if you're interested in those. There's also something called the nurse Corps program, the nurse, nurse Corps loan repayment program specifically. Uh, and it's through the National Health Resources and Services Administration. I would just Google Nurse Corps Loan Program if you're interested in that. And what they do is they actually provide uh, a significant percentage. You, you can actually get up to 85% of your student loan debt paid off in exchange for just working two to three years uh, in a critical shortage health facility. Uh, and then, you know, it's it's really pretty, you know, pretty amazing. I think 60% is what they'll do for two years. Uh, and there's some criteria, there's a competitive application, so you have to check that out. But but that's, you know, an option if you're, if you don't want to do that public service loan forgiveness, or maybe you only owe $40,000, and you're like, well, 
you know, that, that program might not help me as much, or I only owe 20,000 or 30,000. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's an option for you to go, you know, just literally spend a couple of years in a place where your services are direly needed and get your loans forgiven that way. So that's another option besides like the one for the people with the monster debt loads. If you have small debt, that nurse core program could be really great. Uh, and there's actually state specific programs as well. Um, we have, if you, if you go, like, if you just type in, like, student loan planner nurses on Google, we have a guide for all of the different nursing programs that exist, um, and we have, like, a whole bunch of different states listed, so, like, there's an Alaska program, California, Illinois actually has a program, it looks like it's called the Veterans Home Medical Providers Loan Repayment Program, um, and you can get, I think, up to 5000 bucks. so, and, and that's, like, a renewable four-year program, you know, so, like, there's all these different ones, Florida, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, uh, it looks like, honestly, like probably the majority of states listed here, Texas, West Virginia, seems like the majority of states in the country have a specific loan forgiveness program just for nurses and nurse professionals. So that's really pretty cool. So like there's, there's more programs than just public service loan forgiveness. And there's actually yet another forgiveness program. If you happen to have, let's say instead of 80,000, Dakota, let's say that you kind of lived it up and went to a really high cost school and you have some undergrad debt too, and you had 250, you know, instead of, instead of 80 and it was just you, right. And let's say that you were like not planning on getting married or anything. So in that case, you know, let's say you took a job at a private, not for profit or a private for-profit employer, like, you know, an HCA hospital or, you know, a, a nursing home that was owned by a, you know, a corporation or something. You can actually, go for forgiveness over 20 to 25 years and make payments on that pay plan, you can, and a repay plan, the revised pay as you earn, you can do that. And it's just a little bit less generous in the version in the not-for-profit hospital world. So there's still options out there. There's still options for you, even if you're in the private sector. So I guess what I'm saying is there's so, so many options. And, you know, the, the final option is not not going for forgiveness, that's actually paying it off and paying it back, you know. And that's that's a great option too if if it's if the math makes sense and if that's the best thing for you. Because you can get a lower interest rate, you can, you know, cut it two, three percent on your interest rate. You can save money on interest that'll go directly into principal and get you out of debt faster. So if folks need to refinance their debt, generally I tell people you need to be in the private sector to do that. Our site also has cashback bonuses because we take lower commissions than any other site. So we take lower commissions so that we can turn around and give people cashback bonuses for refinancing their loans. So you get anywhere from $200 to $750, you know, when you decide to refinance your loans and, and go through with it, plus the impact, which is most important, of the lower interest rate. So basically, no matter what's going on with somebody, we, we have something for them that can help them save a lot of money. That's awesome. I want to chat real quick about just... Um... What can you do while in school for for your loans? And is there any tips that you have for people who are currently still accumulating those loans? Sure. There's a site called youneedabudget.com. It's also called YNAB, Y-N-A-B. Y-N-A-B. It's a site that allows you to basically budget and track your spending ahead of time. I like it more than I like Mint. I use both of them. But, uh, but I think this YNAB site, allows you to get in the habit of tracking where your money's going. And I think most people in school just don't do that at all. <laughs> so I think that it'd be really helpful for you to use a site like that because you could get your loan disbursement and then you could budget it out with this tool and it'll actually help you track it and links up all your bank accounts. So it brings in all your transactions. So you can actually see where your money's going. I use it to catch $240 of fraudulent Uber Eats charges the other day. Wow. So it's, yeah, so it's a pretty helpful tool. And then if you're in school, uh, I would just say the rules actually encourage you to take out as much as you possibly can. Um, so I don't want to tell anybody to do that in school because it's, you know, that wouldn't be good advice to say just go take out as much debt as you can and, you know, put it in the stock market because that's what the rules incentivize. <laughs> so I'm not telling people to do that, but I'm, I'm saying, you know, don't beat yourself up. Like if you have to go on a, a vacation or you want to go on, on a family trip or, you know, something like that. Don't don't avoid that just because, you know, you want to take out less debt. You know, because the reality is, is your eighty thousand dollars of debt 
to be honest, that could have been 150000 and it would have made the cost of your repayment the exact same. Yeah. I love that because it it is easy to to get that extra debt. I know with my husband's loans especially, he was getting he had to take out um additional loans, the plus loans because it wasn't covering it. And so we would obviously get this big check into our account every like every semester and I would be like, give it back, give it back, and just stressing about it, which sometimes we didn't because it got to a point, does get to a point where you can't work. And so using that money for living or whatever really is what it's made for. So I love I love that permission not to feel guilty about it. Yeah. So just live your life. Like, honestly, the most important thing is actually savings rate. The, the fun thing that I've found from doing a couple thousand student loan plans and with our team is if you increase your savings rate from 15% to 30%, you will have the ability to make work optional 10, 10 years sooner, a decade. Wow. Just going from 15% of your income to 30% going to loans, retirement, and investment. That's like everything, right? That's not just investing. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty small change, but it has this improvement where you're not having to work for, for money 10 years sooner. If you look at loans, generally having the best loan strategy can save you maybe two or three years in terms of your required working career. So I don't know if, if that like makes sense for listeners. Like, Does that make sense, Dakota, what I mean by saying like your work optional date is 10 years sooner? Yeah, yep. So that's just super important to, to, to realize that your savings rate is the most important thing. So at least focus on having a good savings rate and tracking your money, like being frugal, you know, drive, drive older vehicles, like, you know, use Toyotas, buy them on Craigslist, right? Like don't go to the dealer, you know, and for housing, you know, have roommates, try to be frugal with your housing. If you're frugal with your car and your housing, that's like the best single thing you can do while you're in school probably because you can't control tuition right I know that was like one of the biggest mistakes I feel like I made as a new nurse I wasn't I didn't really have any undergrad debt so I just went out and bought a brand new vehicle and so I had a high payment and then I went back to school and that was something to definitely consider when I was back in grad school and wanting to quit work. So that is so, so real. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. Just try to like get the little things right. Start a brokerage account, start a retirement account, you know, start putting like a hundred dollars a month in one of these kind of things. That's, that's the stuff that's going to really build these positive habits that are going to transform your life. For sure. So I'd like to kind of wrap it up and just have you again go over how people can get into contact with you and just a brief overview again of what services you offer that will really directly impact our listeners. Sure. Just have folks reach out to help at studentloanplanner.com. It's it's me, but it's also three other CFP and CFA folks that are on our team. And so one of us is going to reach out to you, Rob, Justin, and Lauren are the other three. One of us will reach out to you and just Tell us as much as you can about yourself. We're not trying to make money to make money. We're trying to help you. So if we think that you're a really obvious refinancing case, like you don't need to pay us, like we'll just tell you go to this site and try to apply a bunch of places and, you know, we'll give you an idea of how to get the best deal. But if you do not have a very clear refinancing situation, then we'll also tell you that we think that you should book a consult with us and get a custom student loan plan. And that's, you know, basically it's, it's $300 to $600, depending on how much debt you have. And about 90% of our clients save a projected five-figure sum just by, you know, example, talking to you about some of the strategies that you would use to maximize public service loan forgiveness, right? Yeah. That's like hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings right there. Yeah, and it's important to realize that it's you're not doing yourselves any favors by ignoring this debt or just pretending it's not there and just paying that standard payment there's big options. So that's such a small price to pay for how much savings that you could potentially get from it. Yeah. Sometimes people say like, Hey, I, I'm like, I'm, I just graduated nursing school. Like that's a lot of money to pay. Like I get that, you know, I, I get that it's not, it's not cheap, but uh, you know, at the same thing, at the same time, you know, it's way more expensive to make all these bad decisions with your loans. Like 
a hundred times as expensive in some cases. And, yeah. uh, you know, if, if you, if folks don't reach out or at least try to read something like studentlandplanner.com, our site where we have a lot of the guides on like on how to do this, you know, if you want to do it on your own, like if you don't take the time or hire a professional to help, I, I will say that there's almost a, there's, there's a much better probability than not that you will mess something up severely and it's going to really hurt you. So I don't want that to happen to anybody, uh, which is, you know, why I started this thing in the first place. That's so amazing. I love just what your business is doing for the healthcare profession. And I am so grateful for you to come on here and chat with us as nurses, future nurses, specifically to things that are going to impact us in the future. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Dakota. How amazing was this conversation with Travis? I feel like this was so beneficial, not only to me, obviously every single person's situation is going to be different. We all have different amounts of student loan debt. We have different types. We have different situations as far as partners and spouses that brings a whole different dynamic to the situation. But I just love that we were able to dive into some information about student loans that is so relevant to everyone in the healthcare profession. And it's just a great way for us to start to look at what options there are out there for us, as well as just give some free resources that are available for you to kind of dive in and see what your options are. If the public service loan forgiveness is not for you, that's all right, because he talked about a lot of other different options that are available. And the thing I love is that he has offered some amazing free advice. And if you do need him, he is available at a more personal level as well. If you found this episode beneficial or you were listening and you had a few friends or family members that came to mind, please share it with them and spread the word about this episode of the podcast. And as always, if you are loving the Nightingale podcast, I would so appreciate you leaving a rating or a review and just spreading the word about the podcast to your friends and family. Make sure you're checking out the show notes for the episode to get a detailed list of all the free resources that he has shared with us today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Nightingale podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure you subscribe so that you are getting weekly notifications when the new episode comes out. And while you are there, I would really appreciate you leaving a review and maybe your review will be featured on an upcoming podcast. You can check out all episodes at the nightingalepodcast.com or on Facebook at the Nightingale podcast.